well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. We're going to be talking about the uh, latest attempt to infringe on your right to keep and bear arms. At least the, the latest argument in favor of doing so. This is not an actual effort. Uh, it is an op-ed by a, a guy named Michael Cogbill, uh, who is a part of the AFL-CIO and the uh, NAACP in the Philadelphia area. You know, and I, I, I was reading this piece, we're going to get to it in just a second, but it really made me think that the gun control movement, look, we know that they're morally bankrupt, but I think they're intellectually bankrupt too. When was the last new idea we saw from the gun control lobby? I mean, they've been advocating for gun bans since the 1970s, right? Handgun bans. And then that kind of faded away. And Well, now we need to ban those assault weapons. Bans on, quote-unquote, high-capacity magazines. Uh, those, again, they've been doing that for 50 years. Uh, waiting periods. You know, those have been around for decades. Smart guns. I mean, they've been advocating for smart guns since the 1990s. Maybe the, 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 the closest thing to a new idea that the gun control movement has had... I read flag laws, but even those have been on the books in states like Indiana and Connecticut for 20 years. And homicide rates continue to rise, by the way, after they were put on the books. So there really isn't nothing new from the gun control movement. And maybe that's just because fundamentally, I mean, how many creative ways can you come up with to say uh, America should be disarmed? Now, I, I will say Michael Cogbill in Pennsylvania has come up with a new idea. But this new idea, I think, demonstrates just how absurd and out of touch the gun control lobby has become. Take a look at this headline. Our streets are awash in guns. To stop the violence, cut off the supply of weapons with a 20-year ban on new firearms. Now, this was actually published in a real paper, uh, Pin Capital Star, in uh, Pennsylvania. I, I, guess, I, I guess they'll publish any op-ed, no matter how worthless the idea might be because there is no way that we're going to see a 20-year ban on the manufacture of new firearms that's just simply not going to happen uh you know you can't get uh, universal background checks through congress right now because there aren't 60 votes to do it but uh michael cogwell said well yeah why don't we just you know prevent everybody from buying a gun for the next two decades now that should solve the problem <laughs> i mean it's ludicrous but we're still going to weigh in and uh, address his specific issues. Now, look, Cogbill is right that violent crime is up across the country. He writes that black communities nationwide were ravaged by violence this Independence Day weekend. In Pennsylvania, he says, which ranks seventh in black homicides per 100,000 residents was no exception. He says issue advocates, elected officials, even labor unions like the AFL-CIO that he works for have worked to address the problem. But Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are seeing a record-breaking number of shootings and homicides. To which my response would be, well, maybe that's an indication that what you're trying to do and what you've done isn't the right way to address violent crime. Maybe you can't ban your way to safety. Maybe you can't arrest your way to safety. Maybe more gun control laws aren't the answer. But Michael Cogbill is not convinced of that. Oh, no. He says both municipal governments and state legislators are fighting for more resources to help with the problem. President Biden's advocating for $900 million in funding to address urban gun violence. And under Obama, the ban on federal funding for research was lifted. Actually, yeah, I don't think that was under Obama, but OK. Uh, advocates have asked for the media to do a better job on gun violence reporting, and they've done so. Trauma surgeons and nurses are relentlessly advocating on behalf of the issue, and community groups are frequently rallying for an end to gun violence in impacted communities. 
Despite the valiant efforts of so many across the state, we're still left with the question of how and why gun violence is so out of control. Except that for Cogbill, we're not actually left with that question because he thinks he knows the answer. He writes, quote, the problem is there are just too many guns. Handguns, shotguns, assault rifles, machine guns, and now ghost guns, he says. Just too many of them. He says, the, uh, and by the way, uh, Michael Cogbill has a bad idea, but he also just has some false facts, things that are not true. Uh, he writes, the FBI estimates that nearly 40 million guns were purchased in 2020 by the number of Nick's background checks initiated. No, sir. And that tells me, Michael Cogbill, that you don't know what you're talking about. That you, you care about this issue, but you don't know or understand this issue. Because not every Nick's check is conducted on a firearms transfer. The National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the firearms industry trade group, estimates that about 21 million firearms were sold last year. Still a record number, but about half the 40 million that you claim. Now, why is that? Well, because Nick's checks are conducted in some states when uh, you've got, let's say, a in Illinois, for example. Uh, you've got a firearm owner ID card that's required for every legal gun owner. And the Illinois State Police will conduct background checks on those FOID card holders on a regular basis. Other states do the same thing. So not every NICS check is tantamount to a gun sale. Most people know this, at least most people who, 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 who study this issue, who care about this issue, who advocate for this issue. Most people understand that basic fact. And it's kind of disturbing that you don't. But let's continue. Uh, Cogbill says, um, Pennsylvania ranks in the top 10 states with guns purchased at 1.4 million, averaging more than 100,000 guns sold per month. I, again, I, I think the number's a little lower there in the uh, adjusted Nick's figures, but we'll, we'll, we'll let that one slide. He says that ghost guns can be made at home and are completely untraceable. Both State Representative Eamon Brown of Philadelphia and recording artist Kerr drew attention to the matter with the latter mentioning switches, which are illegal devices that turn handguns into mini machine guns. I, 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 again, I, I don't even know what he's talking about here. This year alone, he writes, from January 2021 to June 2021, there were more than 760,000 firearms potentially purchased in Pennsylvania, putting us in the top seven with Texas, Kentucky, Florida, California, and Indiana, dwarfing the group with more than 6 million background checks initiated this year is Illinois. And in 2019, switches, he writes, were popping up in Chicago. Okay, well, again, I just explained why there weren't 6 million guns sold in Illinois this year. Uh, and that would be absurd. In fact, that, <laughs> that figure should raise alarm bells. Why, why would Illinois have so many guns? I mean, they got all these gun laws. Because, again, not every NICS check is for a gun sale. And in Illinois, every FOID card holder, every concealed carry licensee is getting regularly rechecked by the Illinois State Police with a NICS check. You know, again, if you don't know this stuff, why should anybody listen to you when, when you say, I know the answer to solve our problem? You don't even know about the problem. You don't even know how gun sales work or how NICS checks work in this country. Cogbill says, uh, the kicker is that there are still hundreds of thousands of background checks left incomplete, due in part to a strange loophole in which the check is null and void if results aren't returned in three days. No, it's not that the uh, check is null and void. It's that if the FBI can't conduct the instant background check within 72 hours, then the federal firearms licensee has the option to proceed with the sale. But it's not that they're null and void. 
And as a matter of fact, the FBI check is still being conducted. And if it comes back later, uh, you know what, that's denied. Well, you've still got the record of sale. You can still go after that individual. And that individual is still violated the law by purchasing a firearm. Again, something else that Cogbill doesn't really understand. So the headline for this piece, again, let me remind you, our streets are awash in guns. To stop the violence, cut off the supply of weapons with a 20-year ban on new guns. Most of this column, honestly, is taken up by Michael Cogbill spouting off stuff that simply isn't true before he gets to his unworkable idea. And this, by the way, is all that he says about his big idea. These, the, the thing that the whole headline was about, this is it. It's far past time that gun violence prevention groups, legislators, and anti-gun lobbyists stop playing nice with gun owners and manufacturers. They've been playing nice. Really? How's that? I mean, you could argue that they've been getting their ass kicked in many states across the country, but they haven't been playing nice. I mean, I haven't seen any gun control group saying, you know what? That gun control law does go too far. You're right. I mean, I'm a believer in common sense gun safety regulations, but I also support the Second Amendment. And wow, you know what? I'm glad that these uh, Second Amendment groups, uh, you know, informed us that this uh, law really violates people's rights because they're they're correct. And, and this goes too far. It hasn't happened. They're not playing nice. They're demonizing gun owners. Are you kidding me? Anyway, he continues. A potential answer, he writes, is to go big and to push for a blockade in the production and import of firearms for at least the next 20 years. This action is feasible, but it'll take courage, creative thinking, and relentless advocacy over a short window of time. All right, so I wanted to learn more about how this is feasible. But that's the end of his column. That's it. That's it. He just, oh, well, you know, it is, it's feasible. It's as feasible as it is likely that Illinois has had 6 million gun sales this year, which is to say, not feasible at all. Again, you are constitutional concerns. The Supreme Court ruled in Heller that you can't ban handguns because that's banning an entire class of firearms. Now you want to impose a 20-year ban on all firearms. So the Supreme Court's not going to go for it. There's no way that Congress is going to pass something like this, even in a state like Pennsylvania. If the Democrat can, well, actually, the Republicans control the state legislature in Pennsylvania. Uh, the Democrats control the governorship. But let's say Democrats take over the state legislature in Pennsylvania. I don't even think you're going to get Democrats to sign up, uh, at least not swing district Democrats, to sign up with a 20-year moratorium on the manufacture of firearms. And if you did get a majority of Democrats to do that, and Governor Tom Wolf signed that bill into law, it would be challenged in court and it would be thrown out immediately. This action is feasible, but it'll take courage, creative thinking, and relentless advocacy. No, it won't. No, it won't. And Michael, you know, the thing that drives me crazy about this is that Michael Cogbill is right. Violent crime is on the increase. But rather than acknowledge that you can't ban your way to safety, you can't arrest your way to safety, you can't gun control your way to safety, Michael Cogbill is taking off on flights of fancy. Well, what if we just ban guns for 20 years? Would you just ban the make of firearms for the next uh, two decades? Yeah, that's a feasible... No, it's not a feasible idea. At that point, gun control advocates have admitted, I got nothing. I, 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 I got nothing. Well, I have an idea. How about we focus on the violent offenders? Uh, it's a crazy idea, but it just might work. In Philadelphia last year, there were 499 homicides. That is a staggeringly high number. And the city is on pace to uh, reach or exceed that number again this year. But the violent crime is not being committed 
for the most part, by legal gun owners. Instead, it's a relatively small number of individuals who are responsible for a disproportionate amount of violent crime. Thankfully, there are programs that the city of Philadelphia could put in place that are proven to be effective, have a long track record of success, and don't involve putting any new gun control laws on the books, typically lead to fewer arrests overall, uh, while reducing homicides by, in some cases, more than 50%. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds a hell of a lot more reasonable and feasible than trying to ban the manufacture of firearms for the next 20 years in a country with 100 million gun owners, 400 million privately owned firearms, and the constitutionally protected right to keep and bear them. Now, that program that I just described uh, called Operation Ceasefire first put in effect in Boston in the late 1990s. Since then, it has been expanded and uh, put in place in cities like uh, Oakland, California, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, it, 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 you know, look, it hasn't always worked. There are uh, cities like Baltimore where it's been a dismal failure because you've had infighting between uh, the various uh, law enforcement agencies and community activist groups that are a part of this program. But when it is successfully put in place, it doesn't really require, it requires no new laws. It requires very little new funding. It's really just a, a change in strategy and a change in tactics. Rather than uh, trying to put new gun laws on the books, rather than trying to arrest your way to safety by making you know, large numbers of arrests for nonviolent possessory offenses, you focus on the people who are actually pulling the trigger. Most of which, by the way, are, are, are known to law enforcement in the communities that they are uh, inflicting such harm on. We already know who these guys are. Most of them already have criminal records. So it's pretty easy to use their probation officers to call them in to explain what's going to happen here. We're giving you a choice. You can either stop shooting and we'll help you turn your life around, or you can keep doing what you're doing and we're going to take your cases to federal court and we're going to put you away for 20 or 30 years. Choice is up to you. When that choice is offered, for the most part, people take advantage of those opportunities. Not always. There are going to be some people who uh, learn the hard way that, oh, they weren't kidding. And they'll be spending the next 20 or 30 years in a federal prison. And that sucks for them. And it actually, you know, it's not the ideal outcome, I think, even for law enforcement or prosecutors or the community. But it's a better outcome than continuing to see the plague of violent crime. And again, it's a realistic, it's a constitutional, and it is an effective way to address violent crime rather than the nonsensical flights of fancy from gun control activists like Michael Codbill. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there, Greensboro, North Carolina where a man has been charged in the uh, shooting death of a 72-year-old woman working at a gas station. Avion Carnal Bell, arrested on Wednesday evening, being held without bail in the Guilford County Jail on charges of first-degree murder, attempted robbery with a dangerous weapon, possession of a stolen firearm, robbery with a dangerous weapon, and felon in possession of a firearm. Patricia Grant died after she was shot about 6 o'clock in the morning on July the 1st while working at a Speedway convenience store. Uh, according to obituary, she'd been a manager with Speedway for many years. Greensboro.com reports at the time of the shooting, Bell was on probation after being convicted of common law robbery in multiple cases dating back to 2019. Last time I checked, that was only two years ago. Already back out on the streets and uh, now 
facing the most serious charges of his uh, life. One wonders why those felony charges of robbery were not enough to keep him behind bars for at least two years. But, uh, you know, maybe the answer is we just need to ban the manufacture of guns for the next two decades. Our armed citizen story from Oklahoma City. This is an interesting one. Where the owner of a marijuana dispensary shot an armed robbery suspect. Now, under state law, this is okay. According to the Oklahoma City Police, robbery suspect was armed with knives, started making demands, smashing cases, and then the uh, dispensary owner uh, ended up shooting the suspect. At last check, the man hospitalized in critical condition. Police and eyewitnesses say the uh, crime is becoming all too common. Al Jenkins, who uh, lives nearby the dispensary, said uh, they've got a product that a lot of people want. Apparently. I don't know what happened to grow your own. Oklahoma City Police Lieutenant Isaac Goodman says they're a cash-only business. And they've got a few things that criminals want, something that's untraceable like marijuana and then cash. Mm, that is true. Uh, according to uh, police, the uh, owner pulled a handgun, shot the suspect in defense of himself. Theta Hale works at a uh, nearby dispensary and says it's getting dangerous. She says it's concerning. It makes you think if this is what you want to do. And uh, police say that criminals should think twice. Uh, Lieutenant Goodman said, quote, the majority of dispensaries in our city limits are staffed by folks that are armed because they know it's a risky business. And they also have very elaborate security systems, which, again, is true. So, again, the dispensary owner not going to be facing any charges. He's acting in self-defense, but under fed well, not facing any charges locally. But under federal law, you know, it is still a crime to possess a firearm and be a uh, user of marijuana. Now, I don't know if the uh, the fact that you own a dispensary automatically means that you are a user of marijuana. But I, I mention this because I really do believe it's time for the federal government to deal with this issue. You've got well over a dozen states, including red states like Oklahoma, that have legalized marijuana at the state level. At the federal level, meanwhile, it is still prohibited. It is a Schedule One drug. If you buy a firearm at retail, you've got to fill out your 4473, declaring that you're not an unlawful user of marijuana. And the federal government doesn't care, by the way, if you have a medical marijuana card from your state. If you smoke pot, you can't own a gun. That's the federal law. And there are a lot of Americans who are caught up in this. Uh, there's a piece of federal legislation that's been introduced called the Graham Act, uh, which I believe stands for Gun Rights and Marijuana Act. And it basically says that if... Somebody lives in a state that has legalized marijuana, either medicinally or recreationally, that they're not violating the law if they purchase a firearm. Unfortunately, this bill has not gotten a lot of co-sponsors. Uh, Democrats, I think, don't want to look like they're soft on guns. Republicans, I think, for the most part, don't want to look like they're soft on drugs. And so this problem continues to grow and get worse. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, in a way, it really does encourage, I, I think, law breaking at least on the part of these dispensary owners who may very well be in violation of federal law but at the same time are, are good to go under state law uh they know that they're in a cash-only business because of those federal prohibitions on marijuana uh they know that that increases the likelihood that they're going to be the victim of a violent crime so in return they arm themselves for self-defense which is perhaps another violation of federal law and 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 none of that has to happen None of these things have to be crimes if Congress would simply get off its rear end and uh, enact some truly common sense policies. Finally today, our good deed of the day. A police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Columbus, Georgia, 
A uh, police officer able to save the life of an elderly woman. Officer Lance Lucky recently receiving an honor for saving that woman. He was wrapping up a call when he saw this uh, a woman who was choking. Turns out she was choking on some medication. And uh, Lucky jumped into action once he realized what was happening. He performed the Heimlich Maneuver, saved the woman's life. Uh, Columbus Police Chief Fred Shelton said, uh, quote, uh, being attentive, he was already on a call being attentive to see her uh, flagging him down, to see her inside of a house flagging him down. That shows he was observant. So he was not only doing his job, but he was being observant, being at the right place at the right time, and doing the right thing is absolutely awesome. That's what we want from all of our officers. By the way, I said this was Columbus, Georgia. Uh, it was not. It was uh, Columbus, Mississippi. My apologies uh, to uh, Officer Lucky there and the uh, Columbus, Mississippi Police Department. But congratulations. And thank you again to Officer Lucky for his very good deed. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget, you can become a VIP subscriber to Bearing Arms. All you got to do, go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS. Get 25% off of your membership. You'll get exclusive analysis and commentary. Plus, you'll be supporting programs like this, which bring you the latest Second Amendment news and information and uh, idiocy from the anti-gun side on a regular basis. We will be back on Monday with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But in the meantime, be well, be safe, and be free.